Hello, I'm Reggie Young. I'm here with Martin. Martin, if you could just take a quick minute to explain a little bit about who you are, how you got started, and what you're up to. Sure. So thank you for having me on the show, Reggie. My name is Martin Zerudo. I'm the CEO of Cell University Commerce Group. We're a small startup agency that provides services primarily in three different verticals, NetSuite, uh, ERP, both implementation and integration, any kind of remediation, um, Amazon account management, and Shopify account management. And yeah, how I got started, um, kind of have a history of trying to figure out where I where I should position myself to really provide, you know, what I believe is some God-given talents. We all have that. And um, initially started out thinking I was going to be a lawyer. That changed very quickly after uh, my first degree in paralegal studies. I, I uh, wasn't for me. I went back to school. I got a second degree in communications and, and marketing. Um, and then after that was in a nonprofit, creating content, producing content, and, and doing some marketing for about eight years. Um, after that, I got married and realized that, you know, as the head of the household, I got to be able to provide as much as I could for my my wife and, of course, show her family that I was able to provide for her as well. So uh, I really went down this journey in e-commerce, you know, starting off as a copywriter and content creator and slowly building connections with people in the e-commerce space and finally found myself uh, as the CEO of Selling University Commerce Group. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. You know, I, I think to myself, as you tell that story, kind of stepping away and realizing that something isn't for you yep. and not having so many people, my friends, um, other people I meet, and I'm guilty of it myself, is staying in a, a, a system, a degree, or a way of thinking longer than one should to then realize, hey, this isn't for me. Mm. And then having like the one, the self-awareness and two, the strength to realize early, like, hey, this isn't for me and kind of pivoting, starting over starting from copywriting and then now getting to where you're at, I think is really yeah. cool. It's something that, it, you know, other people who may be listening, you know, it's okay to start over and it's okay to like, to go against the grain of like what we think we should do, whether it's told by our parents, some type of programming or system, um, some kind of someone else who had marketed to us the entire time about why this job is the best job out there. Uh, mm -hmm. I have family members now that are, that are completely changing their career paths um, because they realize after, whether it's, being fed up or later early that they're going to start over in something completely new. So I, I really applaud that. And, and I think that's just super important to have that self-awareness and, and realize when something isn't for you. For sure. You know, sometimes, you know, we think, Oh, I, I, I wasted all this time. I studied and I, you know, not able to put what I, I learned to you to, to use, maybe not in the specific field, like, Hey, I went to nursing and then it ended up becoming a nurse. Right. But you know, it, for me, I didn't end up becoming a lawyer. I didn't end up becoming like a full-time paralegal. But what I learned in those four years, you know, how to write, how to advocate for your client, how to be able to summarize cases, like these are critical thinking skills that you lean into in your future, you know, uh, career choices and milestones. So just because you're starting and stopping again and starting and stopping again, it doesn't mean that any of those hours put towards study or work uh, won't contribute to your overall makeup of of what you offer, not only as a professional, but as a person in life, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. A excellent points there. Um, what I want to kind of jump towards to next was how we met. So, you know, a lot of the podcasts I've been in on now, I'm kind of bringing on people that I met at a summit, at a Helium 10 summit. Uh, and how I met you was from someone else that I met on LinkedIn, James, yeah. amazing guy. I love that he's always Shout out smart. to James. Yeah, shout out to James for that. I'm going to have him on the show here in, in a couple of weeks. I'm excited for that. Uh, but he introduced I'm me to going to message you. him right now and say, hey, I'm, we're talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so I went to go meet James because I was like, oh, yeah, I, I showed up late. I fell asleep at <laughs> the first night uh, in Vegas at the summit. Yeah. And then met him downstairs and then he was talking to you. And you guys were talking for a little bit and then eventually you asked me like, hey, what are you doing? All this kind of stuff. And I, I realized just after a few minutes of talking to you, mm -hmm. like how likable you are. Like, Oh, you know, thank like, you. <laughs> or some, someone else come by like, hey, what's up, man? You know, you're just striking yeah, a yeah. conversation. It's like, and it seems yeah. like such honest, like good conversations that you're like generally connecting with people. Uh, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be this huge like B2B like you know, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. You know, like, you know? Hey, you want some of this? Like, Oh man, that's what I, <laughs> when we were there, 
<laughs> so we were there for two conferences. For the first one, we were signature sponsors at the Helium 10 Sales Scale Summit at, at, I think it was Virgin, right? Virgin Hotel. And, you know, it was a big deal for us to be there. It's one of the first conferences we've ever sponsored and, and attended in full force. And we had like a team of five people there. And what I quickly realized as we were setting up our booth and as people were walking around, you know, I come from a production, you know, live live show, live events background. And it matters to me a lot, like optics and perception, right? So you're there, you've paid money, whether you're an exhibitor or you're attending, right, to gain value. And value can sometimes be misconstrued as, oh, I'm going to sell you something and you're going to get a, you're going to get a good deal. Or like, oh man, work with me and I'll be able to make you some money. Like value can be so many more things than just the ask. You know, being there, seeing a setup that's pleasing to the eye is value. Right. Having giveaways that people actually want to use. We had like jackets and t-shirts, notepads, yeah. you know, chocolates, health bars, like keto bars, you know, shout out to yeah. IQ Bar for sponsoring those. some of those. It was a hit. I messaged Will, the owner, and I was like, hey man, everybody loved your bars. Um, that's value right there. And also in the conversation, can you imagine you as an exhibitor or you, sorry, you as an attendee walking around and like 9 million people are pitching you? And you already yeah. know that the goal of the pitch is to get you to sign up or to do whatever. Where I, st- I took the complete opposite approach. It's like, hey, what are you here for? Okay, cool. Go talk to them. They're really good at that. Yeah. Maybe not those guys because they look like they're just chilling on their seats, not really trying really hard. Yeah. You know, oh, you need some NetSuite help? Here's how we can help you. I would even talk to like people and say, hey, if you can't afford this particular option, here's what I would do. Do this, this, and this. If you need some help along the way, here's my card and email me and I'll kind of give you some advice on what I think you should do. And and for me, seeing you, that would be my exact same and that was my exact same approach. Hey man, you're James, you're friends with James? What brings you here? Oh, what do you do? Oh, very cool. You help people in the Philippines. You have like a charity where you, you send food and you, you give them, you know, non-perishables and stuff like that. Here's a donation. Like I'd love to be a part of that and help you out. Like that was really just my mindset. Like how yeah. can we be just good people and and provide value in more than just an ask. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that. I was going to save the, the donation part. <laughs> Sorry. We'll hop right into it because I'll probably make it the title of the episode. But yeah, one, talking to you immediately connected with the person you were talking with. So I, I really liked that and respected that. Um, and then as we just talked about all the different things that you and I are doing, and I kind of told you like the structure of, of how I'm trying to build my business while also giving back. And we talked about leveraging Filipino virtual assistants mm-hmm. uh, as, mm-hmm. as a primary workforce in our business and how I want to create functions to give back to other people in the planet. And I just remember telling you that and you just like, I felt like genuinely connected with it. And you're like, mm-hmm. I'll give you a thousand bucks right now. Yeah. 100%. You know, like, it was just like, and it felt like it came from such an honest place. And I was so taken back by that. Like that made me so happy that, that you connected with the the story and the mission of what I'm trying to do outside of just build a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I've done and I've talked about on another podcast is I've tagged my, uh, a few of my virtual assistants to determine how we want to spread that money up, up apart, mm-hmm. like around, right? So I'd already sent you the photos that, yeah, that yeah. you're from that. But my team was like, oh, sir, like, this is so great. Like, uh, tell Martin, thank you for, for his donation. They are so happy that people care, that just people care. Like, people love to know that people care. So what they decide mm-hmm. is like, hey, I'll, they want to give it to an orphanage, an elderly, elderly people home, um, and then hand out food on the street. So it's like three different yeah. initiatives. And we're saving like 15% of that budget for a few things over Christmas. Sure. But they were able to, they took full ownership of it. They decided uh, what they wanted to do. And then they went out and, and I just said, hey, just try and grab some pictures. Unfortunately, a lot of the places that they went to, they have uh, more in-depth COVID restrictions still. So they couldn't get mm. that many like that's okay uh, fo- photos done. But one thing I also found interesting is in during that donation drive or what was happening, part of that initiative of going to a elderly people's home was one of them. They were like, yeah, they really appreciated everything that we did, but they appreciated more than anything us coming and connecting with them. So they came and then mm. uh, the elderly people and a few people who were working there were singing songs and they, they had oh, lunch. Amazing. They, yeah. they did all these things and it was just like, that's how far your donation went. It went beyond just money. It like 
it motivated my team, it built them up, it helped multiple, and I just had this like just just such a massive effect. So one, I want to thank you for that because that that really means a lot. And then two, just talking about like you know how important it is to be connected to one another beyond just business because I think that can create so many just from a B two B standpoint a lot of positive externalities, but at a broader scale, we really start to help people. At the end of the day, you know, people want to work with people they like. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to wake up, go to work or like sign on to a Zoom and talk to somebody that I don't like talking to. Mm-hmm. Not because I am like on some high horse, but like maybe the tone of your voice and the way that you approach problems and the way that we interact. And like, if I make a joke and you're like, we're not here for jokes. Like, this, you know, like, I grew up always thinking like, gotta wear a suit, gotta be super professional. And, and there's some truth to that. Optics matters, right? I'm not sitting here in like a tank top, you know, and like I didn't, you know, at least wash my face or whatever. Like optics and perception, of course, it matters, but that authenticity (laughs) and a good mic, exactly. You know, you've invested in one, I've invested in one. Because even if somebody's closing their eyes, they have their headphones on and they're listening to our conversation. There's a level of immersion there. Right. So all of these things add up to potential reasons why maybe you want to work with me, maybe work with Reggie, maybe work together or just be part of the journey, you know, and and there's value in all of those different approaches. Right. Uh, I can't remember how many pitches I've done on Zoom. I can't remember how many people I've met in the process of networking both in person and online, but I can at least vouch that in every attempt at connecting or selling or working together that it was from a place of of like kindness like let's have a let's have a good time and figure things out sometimes i email ceos and i say you're the best bro or like how are you my friend like or like dude where's the where's the lead at you know what i mean like (laughs) there's a time and place i'm not gonna do like a exec you know like a board meeting and just start saying random things especially if there's any kind of like you know guest or whatever but yeah, I think in 2022, it doesn't have to be so serious. Yeah. All yeah, the I time. Love that. I love that. And you know, when you talk about optics and like you kind of like this perception, it mm-hmm. makes me think still when I, when I met you and I thought to myself, damn, that's a cool jacket he's wearing. <laughs> this wearing, one. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to see right now if, if someone's right, not right, right. really or you're not standing up. But I remember just looking at it and thinking to myself, it reminded me of like, uh, like NASCAR, like, or like very Absolutely. like F1. <laughs> yeah, F1, right? Where it's like this nice, solid black jacket, high quality with like different uh, logos on logos. it. it just looked, yeah. I loved it. And I was like, dang, this looks really cool. So you're, the, <laughs> the moment I meet you visually yeah. and like this, this looks really cool and interesting. Yeah. And then two, you're connecting with me, like trying to honestly connect with me. You're not trying to sell me like right off the bat. You know, you're mm-hmm. generally trying to connect with me. And then from there, everything else happened. So, what I also find very interesting is when I tag my virtual assistants to um, figure out what we want to do with the donation that you gave, one of them was like, hey, sir, we're so thankful that you're able to set this up. Uh, what we want to do is we want to create shirts for Reggie cool. Young, right? Nice, and I'm nice. like, oh, I never thought about that because I'm only now starting to push my personal brand. Uh, sure. And, like, and they're, they were so motivated by what you had done and, and what we were building out that they want to build pay for their shirts themselves and i thought that was very for me it made me really happy that they were willing to spend their own money right to make a shirt with my name on it i felt like super humbled of course i didn't i didn't let them pay for it i paid for the shirts yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then i i paid for the shirts and I, I didn't really communicate clearly how i wanted the shirts done i kind of wanted like a little thing going on like i wanted to put like my my vector logo, like RY on the front over the chest, kind of like a badge. Mm-hmm. And I wanted their name on their back with the term operator underneath. It's like a jersey. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a jersey type thing. And because and it made me start thinking like, oh, how do I want to do this? And it, may, it actually made me think about what you're doing at a higher level when I looked at your jacket and saw your team and they all had like the jackets on. And I was like, this is, this is really cool. Oh, so well, first of all, it was printed in the Philippines, so it was very oh. cost-effective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. Venture. Um, but you know, if if you go on the on my LinkedIn, there's a picture of me and Josh. Josh is um part of the M and A team from Moonshot Brands, 
And we had a call a couple of weeks ago when we got back from Vegas and I was wearing it. He's like, bro, that's such a cool jacket, right? And or like, hey, you know, send us your address. We'll send you one. You know what I mean? So we sent it to him and I was talking to him yesterday because he's going to come on our podcast uh, sometime next week. And he's like, I was walking around with the jacket yesterday. I felt super cool. I was like, hey, put it on right now and let's take a picture. So he put it on like I'm pointing up like this and he's pointing down and we're oh, both yeah. wearing the, the jacket. Yeah, uh, I won't mind a free jacket. But... Yeah, send me your address. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if you can get it to me in the next week or two, I'll definitely I'll travel with it. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's uh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, I was going to say next, so I have a little bit of notes here. Still getting no, no worries, no worries. Interviews. Um, let me see. Yeah, so we met at the Sell and Scale Summit. Yeah. And I want to pivot it back around networking and the positive externalities that come from that. So one, again, we connected. And then two, what I was trying to do, so Gary Vaynerchuk was a big speaker, or one of two big speakers at that show. And um, yep. I, going into it, I was like, okay, I'm sure at talking to a few of the people who are running the summit, they're like, yeah, you know, like very few people can meet him. Most people on the team can't even meet him. Um, there's, no, you know, like good luck. Like you're not going to be able to meet him. One, to start the story, I didn't meet him. <laughs> but two, I felt like, I felt like I, just from being an attendee at, at, the, at the summit, yes, I came there to network from a BDB perspective. Yes, I came there also as another third-party seller to network with other third-party uh individuals and and then learn things along the way um but meeting you from someone i met online james who i never met in person at that point mm-hmm. who i was going to interview on his on his podcast and be on his podcast all that led up to meeting you connecting with you you donating money and then the effect that had all the way down to people who really need help one that i just love how all that worked out mm-hmm. And then two, on top of that, maybe future business uh, opportunities between you and I or a, a referral or who knows what, what might happen there. If nothing happens, that's totally fine. It's just, you know, we're here creating content for other people to consume and hopefully learn something from. Absolutely. Um, and then what happened after that is, you know, you were a sponsor at the event and sponsoring is not cheap. Obviously, like I wasn't going to sponsor. It's not definitely not in my yeah. budget if you're doing that kind of stuff. Um but I, I thought it was so cool that you were during the primary speaking event with Gary V. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, yeah, like, you know, you can totally come to the, the sponsors booth. Like, just, you know, come up with us and then meet us here. I thought that was like super welcoming. Um, so I remember meeting you and we went straight up there and you would introduce me yeah. super quickly to someone very big in the space that I'd listened to uh, on his podcast for years. Uh, Mike Jackness. Yeah, yeah, Mike Jackness. And I'm sure he doesn't remember me. I was just like, I just said something to him for like 20, 30 seconds. But it was cool to kind of meet someone that I heard in my ear when I first started mm. e-commerce. Right? So kind of <laughs> exactly. Getting all the way there, being up up top in the sponsors booth uh, was really, really fun. And then I knew the sponsors at the time were meeting, um, were going to try, or at least I think had the opportunity to meet Gary Vee. So mm-hmm. I was, part of me was hoping, hey, oh, wow, like this is one step further towards getting to meet Gary V. And Gary V had given his book to everyone. Like it showed up in everyone's, I think most people's hotel rooms with like a, mm-hmm. a ribbon, which is, I thought, a really great way of marketing a book. For sure. They had a ribbon of the book around. Um, and a side note to that, apparently what he was doing with NFTs is if the more books people got, bought, like pre-sale, uh, he would issue an NFT or something along those lines. So I thought that was one right. interesting way of co-marketing a book. Here it is in person. You know, he's speaking at an event, talking about his book. So I was like, let me grab this book. And if I ever get a chance to meet him, like I'll have the book ready. So I felt like part of me got a lot closer towards meeting him, even though I didn't, than someone who had just sat off to the side and didn't right. participate and didn't try to connect with other people. Next time, man, one step closer. Yeah, one step closer. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember like you had to run, you had other things that you had to do. I did. I had a networking lunch that I had to go to. Right. Yeah. And, and that so, guy ended up sponsoring our podcast. So I was like, okay, maybe good. Good move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. And I didn't know what you were doing, right? Because I know you had things yeah. to do. So I was like, hey, you know, if you if you do meet Gary Vee, I don't know where you're going. At least take this book. And I told you the story about how Gary Vee takes photos. Um, oh, do you have it right there? There you go. It's right here. There it is. Yeah. That's the book you gave me. I have it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then what's crazy is later that day when I went to the VIP room um, for the summit, there's a stack of books there. So I just took another book 
Oh, there you go. So I have nice. another book as well. But I thought to myself, oh, if you ever did meet Gary V, he would at least remember that that I provided value back. Like even though it's just hundred percent. At least I was giving some kind of value back to you. Yeah. No, I, I really, really appreciate it. I read a little bit of it on the plane. Whenever I'm stressed out, I like just turn around and pick up the book and like scan a few pages and kind of just it's it's tough, you know, like the stuff that he talks about in the book that he talks about at the um at the summit you know it's so much focused on like ownership of what you're doing right now there's nobody else to blame but yourself the accountability is all on you when it comes to content and putting yourself out there it's all on you and it's a really significant shift in mindset that doesn't happen overnight i think who was the was it malcolm gladwell who said like it takes ten thousand hours for you to perfect something so for our listeners for your listeners everybody's on their ten thousand hour journey and maybe the book and the and what Gary's talking about provides additional hours into that journey. Listening to your podcast adds additional hours, you know. Um, and I think really that's the mindset that we should have, humbly speaking, in terms of us all trying to accomplish our goals and try to get to where we want to be, is that it doesn't happen overnight. And no. every hour you spend trying to, you know, harness and build up the skill set that you want to, you know, have to accomplish your goals comes from a lot of different sources it may be a conversation in the vip suite it may be a conversation in a coffee shop it may be a conversation in the hallway you know had we not walked and crossed paths you know what i mean like there's so many in the multiverse of existence so many possibilities of you not running into james of me and james not running into you of james not attending the event you know and, and that chain reaction of events all counts and contributes towards those ten thousand hours to wherever anybody's is is hoping to get to you know, so it's 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 fluid. It's an exciting time to meet new people and connect and talk to people, especially in this type of format where as a podcast, you know, there's no, you know, there's this list of questions, but there's no script. You can kind of be candid and open about people's experiences. And it's it's super valuable uh, for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. And then when I take it back to, again, the donation that you did, um, the impact that it's had for me before. When I'm like creating like my vault, my course library, et cetera, my plan for now is, and it will indefinitely be for sure be for the vault. I'm always going to donate uh, a meal to a hungry person in need every month. But once I get the mm -hmm. revenue to a certain level, what I'm going to try and do is like do higher level donations and then rotate through different nonprofits mm -hmm. uh, and have different impacts across different people of different ethnicities, cultures, backgrounds, you know, people in need. Um, but when you sent that donation, I wasn't ready for it. Like, mm. like I wasn't ready for it. So I, right, I went right. back home and I was like, okay, well, um, how do I accept it? Like, I don't have, even though you said $1,000, I was like, okay, well, I can make a, a checkout a URL at $1,000. So I was immediately thinking, okay, well, how can I build this foundation for, for what I want to do next? So I, instead, I made mm. a, a checkout page that's like, uh, pay what you want. Basically, so it, al it allowed nice. you to put the amount that you wanted in case I felt like, hey, maybe if you want to give a little less or maybe a little more, like that person would be able to do it. Mm -hmm. But then on top of that, how do I build something for the next person that wants to eventually? Yeah, absolutely. So I made like, it took me like two minutes. I logged into my my uh, my website, just yeah. did a quick like, here's a donation page. Here's the button. But yeah, I plan yeah. on like kind of scaling that out using some of these tools that we're using and then having yeah. that be like a donation page over time. And one that just taking that first step to build that next level and the next level and that next level, I feel like is also mastering, you know, so that it's more hours spent trying to master what I'm trying to do ultimately. Mm -hmm. One thing I found very interesting, uh, my mom has done a lot of uh, nonprofit work with her, the, her, her past career. So when I showed her the photos, um, she's like, oh yeah, like, this photo is not good. This photo is not good. Mm. I, I, the photos I sent you were like the best photos. Okay. <laughs> right. And, and then afterwards, she, my mom gave me feedback, right? And I mm. generally don't like to take advice from people who have never done what I'm trying to do. Like growing mm. up, I'm like, yeah, like my mom and dad, they're the ones I think we look up to our mentors or our, 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 of course. our parent, parent, like things, yeah. right? But it doesn't mean that they know how to run a business. It doesn't mean just because someone bought a house doesn't mean they should be giving you real estate advice. You know, all right. these different things. But then I was kind of, I kind of slowed down and my mom was like, hey, when you're doing a donation, 
And when someone donates money like that, what you need to be doing is holding up a sign and saying, thank you, Mark. Mm. Right. Like you can even do like a, a fake check. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> right. So I'm like, okay, these are things that I can take to the next yeah. donation, next donation, because it's like, for sure. You know, someone could wonder if like, you know, how much money was really spent, you know, like, mm -hmm. is it really Martin? Right. Cause I, I want to be able to give back that good, that good energy that you gave to us back to you. So I'm going to be kind of fix that for the future, for the, for the next uh, person who donates. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that could be a great tip of advice for someone who may be considering doing something like this also in the future is to make the best for sure. uh, possible use of that. Is there a URL for it already? Um, I think like so. Like reggieyoung.com slash donate or something? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slash donate. Yeah, good, good, good push there. Yeah, for, for slash Let donate. Just... Be, I have to remember all the URLs all over the place. Yeah. But... Let me double yeah, check. I'm going to try and. Are you looking it up? I am. I am. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, uh, I will uh, get that, that landing page update. I was, my goal for the future is be like, have a quick video of me talking about the goal of where the donation is going long term mm. and then the carousel of photos that just constantly get updated. Uh, and then absolutely. I got V1. When it's ready to go, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's in, <laughs> it's in under construction. Yeah. When it's ready to go, uh, let me know. And for like the next five or 10 episodes of our podcast, I'll totally just put it as like the bumper at the beginning of the episode. Oh yeah. Oh man. I really yeah. appreciate that. Thank you. No again. problem. Really, of really course. Of course. That. Um, and that kind of gets me to like the next point and kind of like the mm -hmm. big thing I wanted to talk about here is, you know, I, I've hired and trained virtual assistants and worked, you know, one as a freelancer on Fiverr, on Upwork. I've worked for some of the biggest aggregators. I've worked in, in the military as an officer. I've had like these different levels of experience. I started over and over. I've mm -hmm. outsourced things to Fiverr. I've been like on the front and the back end. I've hired people from other countries train them and I've learned so much from that process. And now having talked to so many different service providers from like a B2B perspective, I, I feel like there's this, this stigma of outsourcing outside of the United States to places like the Philippines or other, other countries. There's always like the, ah, you know, I can't, they can't figure it out or they're just not smart. I, get, I literally get comments like they're not smart enough. And for me personally, when, the first time I outsourced someone to something, like my first VA, I was like, okay, mm -hmm. 500 bucks a month. When I hired them, they cried. They're like, hey, sir, I'm so thankful this changes my life. They right. literally like, broke down and cried. And then talking about still having a full-time job, I gave a set of instructions like, hey, this is, these are a couple of my competitors. Go and find a few of them. I went underground for 24 hours, came back up, and I thought they would have a list of like 10 or 20 people, 20, 10 or 20 like competitors. Mm -hmm. Instead, they had done like eight hours and found like every single link they possibly could oh, wow. in the industry. And it was completely useless to me. And I got, I, I got not angry at them. I, didn't, I wasn't visibly angry at them. Mm -hmm. uh, at first, I was like, oh, they, they didn't even do like a good job. And that's what I was thinking to myself. And then soon after, I was like, well, wait, well, I never defined the scope of the work. I right. never really gave clear instructions on what a competitor is or isn't. I never mm -hmm. set like these boundaries. I never, I didn't do a lot of the things that, I feel like a lot of people fail at when they outsource work. Um, and then on top of that, talking more B2B, I hear conversations like, yeah, we can't outsource here. We can't, outsource. like, we can't do it. But I find out when my, my network over the last couple of years, some of the biggest investment banks, their core, like literally the big, some of the biggest investment banks out there. Outsource. Outsource, not outsource to someone in America. Outsource to these other countries that people think, can't do a great job. Well, they're running, they're running PE investment banks. They're, mm -hmm. they're, run, they're on the back end of some of the biggest companies out there, but you can't figure it out. So maybe we have to look at one, how we see those people first. Yeah. Right? And then kind of, so if you could maybe explain a little bit about like maybe your experiences and, and your thoughts to, to what, what you've come across in regards to this topic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a important, you know, first of all, as Filipinos, you know, um, we're immigrants, you know, whether you're first generation or second generation, it was your parents or what have you. Um, and so I think we all understand that immigrating to another country like Canada or the U.S. or the U.K. or, or wherever is done to afford your family a better opportunity, right? The jobs here, the schooling here, it's not to denigrate 
or to downgrade the Philippines or any other what you would call a third world country, even though they're not third world countries, right? They're developing versus developed countries maybe would be a better uh, term. So we can't, I don't want to say we can't, but I, don't, I think we have to be honest that certain countries avail certain advantages to the people in their country, which is why people immigrate. Okay, great. Now we have that baseline. Having said that, you know, skills is not geographically landlocked, right? It's not like because you were born in one country, you're more adept inherently with your race or your, 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 your culture to be better at one thing than others. There's a stereotype like, oh, Asians are so good at math. I failed math. Like, I suck at math. You know what I mean? Like, so who cares, you know, where you're born and where you're from? I think what's important for those who look at outsourcing is one, I agree, you can't come in with the assumption that they're dumb, that they can't learn, and that because they're cheaper or more cost-effective uh, work-wise, that they don't deserve the same amount of respect as a domestic worker. They don't deserve the same amount of, of ability to grow and to learn and to, to progress because, you know, what if the roles were reversed and like Philippines or India or China was like the supreme developed country and they're outsourcing to North America, to Canadians and Americans. And then they're like, oh my God, you Canadians are so stupid. Are you Americans that are never going to learn? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's very easy once you flip the script to gain some of that empathy because it's not just us as immigrants looking at our countrymen or countrywomen saying, hey, they deserve a shot. You know, it could easily be the other way around. And it's happening all the time in a lot of different categories. So I think now, especially in e-commerce, if we're dealing with a global audience and we're trying to serve a global customer, then it makes sense to have a global team, right? I say this, uh, I, I we had a meeting this morning and I was saying this example today. I don't know whose TikTok it was, but I was out on my I was in bed and I was just flipping through TikToks and for whatever reason, uh, I got to this TikTok talking about perspective. And they go, if you take like a, a they were using a building as an example. I used a cup this morning because in, in the meeting, I'm like, if I look at this cup, I'm only ever going to see it from this perspective outside of what I can see on my, my, my camera. But I will never see anything beyond my own perspective. Now, if I'm holding this up to you, Reggie, you're going to see everything over here. This is your perspective. This is mine. Oh, look, both of our perspectives allow us to see the entire cup. Right. So when you're looking at workforce and talent across the world, they provide a perspective that you don't. Because guess what? Your customer is not just from New York or LA or Chicago. They may be from the Philippines. They may be from Japan. They may be from India. Right? And And I think that I don't think it's like I'm saying anything new. I just think we have to be open to giving it a shot with integrity. Just because they're cheaper doesn't mean they're lesser. Yeah. Definitely. You know? Definitely. But at the same time, to your example, though they may be cost-effective and willing to learn as leaders, we also have to be able to determine whether they're from the States or whether they're from Philippines or whatever country in between, is this the right person? You know, we use traction. Does this person get it? Do they want it? Do they have the time or capacity for it? And we've added a, a fourth one is do they love it? Right? Because in traction, there's no mention of ethnicity. It's really just, you know, an EOS or entrepreneurial operating system to help you find the right people to sit in the right seats. And if they're Filipino from Philippines, great. If they're not, they're from the States or they're from Germany, great. You know, yeah. there's just trade-offs to all things, but I think if you approach it with integrity and you give them the, 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 you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink. So right. if it's a VA in the Philippines and you give them a template and after they do this, you do this well enough for this amount of time, you're going to be promoted to this, this, and this, and they do it. Fantastic. Doesn't gotcha. mean the next Filipino is going to be able to do that. And it doesn't mean that the one in the States is automatically going to be able to ace it because they live in the states right right it's really case by case definitely um and kind of like being in this space for about seven years now and seeing i've trained so many vas on like eight things because when i first started out 
I was going through VAs, like left and right. Um, and after like my second or third VA and having like failed at the hiring process, I, I thought to myself, okay, this is, this, this is totally on me at this point, right? It's not, it's totally on me because I'm getting like mixed reactions in terms of quality of output. And I realize now over time, so I, I have a course and I know we both educate uh, business owners on how to leverage assistance and we have services for that. One of the things I talk about is providing space for your virtual assistant. So one thing I do, you know, we're already getting such a great low cost of labor. One thing that I do is like I say is, hey, if you want your virtual assistant to understand like paid advertising, really give them a buy them a course and give them two weeks. Like buy them the course, give them two weeks. Literally if you had two weeks to do nothing but learn paid advertising, you get good at it off of YouTube videos, right? Like the internet has changed how we absorb information. And you're paid and, to learn it. So yeah. it's like, oh, great, I'm getting money. And then all I have to do is watch these videos and learn. See you in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, they love it. They absolutely love it. Uh, and one thing I, I do is I have every single one of my virtual assistants are using like my own, like their own dedicated Google accounts that I own. So I own their Slack channels. I own all their project management software that, that we're using. And when I first started working with virtual assistants kind of at scale with a team, I was really curious as to how good of a job am I doing? And I don't speak uh, Filipino. I don't speak like the actual language. I was never taught that language growing up. But a good, a good amount of my friends do. And I lo logged into their accounts. Like this was years ago. A couple, like, a couple years ago. And I asked my, my friend, like, hey, can you just look through? And see what they're talking about and what, what, what they're like. Do they actually like me? Do they enjoy their job? And it was just nothing but good things. Yeah, I love working for Reggie. Like, he gives me the, the time and the freedom to do what I want. Uh, awesome. You know, like, they, they in, literally enjoyed working with me. And I realized that's because they come from, from so many other employers and past gigs mm. where, there were, where the rules weren't clear. They didn't have like a clear template, like you talked about clear, measurable goals. They didn't have the space right, to learn. Right. It's like they, had, they were expected to work like a slave and perform like, like, a, like someone who's been doing it for 10, 15 years with bad instructions. You can say like, go ahead and do this, but like in what way, in what manner, right? They come from all these other jobs and things like that where they're, they're trying to leverage their past experience that has been nothing, in my opinion, but poor outsourcing, poor leadership. So how, providing that, that, that really solid foundation, being honest with them, telling them like, hey, you can give me feedback. And I feel like one of the things I've kind of struggled with, and we can maybe dive into this a little deeper, is sometimes a lot of virtual assistants and when I outsource work is they don't want to take on like these higher leadership roles and they don't want to tell you when something's wrong. So that, and right. to me, it comes back to like, how do, I, how do I do that? So for me, like having been an officer in, in the military before, I kind of leaned back on that experience and was like, you have to have an open door policy. You have to be there for them. Mm -hmm. You have to ask mm -hmm. them like, Hey, what feedback do you have? Like, no, please. Like, honestly, what do you have? And over time that's helped me tremendously in my business because they brought their perspective because the person at the end of the day, who's turning the wrenches and doing everything, they're going to see things in your business that you're not. And it's 100%. been super beneficial for me. So, and mm -hmm. so I was curious as to your thoughts and your experience. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Uh, you know, there's two things. One in a room of a hundred people, say you're doing a fantastic job leading 100 VAs, right? That, you know, feedback is fantastic. They like working with you. And like 99% or 98 of them have no problems. And there's going to be two or three in the back that no matter what you do, and this applies to both offshore and domestic workers, right? No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try and reach out to them or try and, you know, be there and kind of create a bridge and extend an olive branch, they're going to hate you regardless. It's very easy for us to go down a hole of like, oh, I want those three to love me. I want those three to get it. I want those three to buy into the culture. And I want those three to be my friend. And like, what do I got to do? Do I gotta act, act this way? Don't do this. Start doing more of this. But what about the other 97 or 98 who are already on board, who are already part of that mission and part of that culture and are ready to go to battle with you, right? There's this book that we, we, we also read called Extreme Ownership. Right. And I think it was written by two like Marines or Navy SEAL, mm. um, former Navy SEAL. 
And it's really about, you know, the mantra is there's no bad teams, only bad leaders. Right now, when I read that book, I'm not saying, hey, all of this is gospel, you know, all of it's 100% right. But the essence of it is, you know, it's upon you as a leader, you, Reggie, me, or anybody else who has a team, specifically if it's going to be domestic or sorry, in, uh, uh, offshore, um, to establish those parameters and accept what's working and what's not working. And if it's not working, it's on you to figure it out and give them the new parameters, give them the new skills so that it works out. When I said earlier about those two or three people in the back who's always going to hate you, extreme ownership does not absolve team members from accountability. If there are bad team members, then as the owner, you have to recognize that, address it, and give them opportunity to grow or change. And if they can't, then you have to let them go. Extreme ownership doesn't mean nobody gets fired or that nobody is held accountable. Right. But I literally said this, I forgot where, but I said this this week. I said accountability is taken, right? I take accountability. Reggie, you did this. You're going to take accountability for that. It's not given. It has to be taken, right? So whether you're a domestic worker or an offshore worker, there has to be a willingness to take that accountability. Because if I'm not going to take it and you're going to give it to me, why would I take it? That's not for me. I don't want to take that accountability. You may expect that of me, but just because you expect it doesn't mean I'm going to follow through. So I think that's the fine line and being a really good leader and motivating your team to accept a culture of openness and of growth both ways as leaders and as subordinates and as workers. But you can't let a couple of bad apples ruin your mindset or culture, and you got to be able to weed out the bad apples so that it doesn't affect the rest of your team. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and that's a huge part of it, a huge part of it. Yeah, and, and it makes me think, like you, like you said, like holding them accountable it really comes down at that point. It's no longer business strategy. It's no longer what tactic or what tips going to create the next conversion or the next sale. It's like how how can you connect with other people again in alignment with your truest values, the values that mm -hmm. you put in your business, and where you want both of those things to go for the people on your team and for you and 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 ultimately your goal. So I really love that the conversation has kind of gone this far in with. Connecting with other people, one, and then hopefully trying to reframe people's mindset around outsourcing, going offshore, like you said, to other VAs and still realizing, in my opinion, and like, you, and like you've echoed and saying, it's like these, these people are just like you and you mm -hmm. have to see them that way. You, we have to see each other as one. We have to see the neighbor like thyself. I don't know, I just made something up, but we have to see yeah. them like us, right? Like golden right. rule stuff. Super basic, yeah. but it just, it applies at the end of the day. 100%. 100%. All right. So next I want to talk about specifically you, when I looked at your LinkedIn, I saw you were mm -hmm. a managing partner for all different types of like business initiatives. So I found that very interesting. And what I want to do really quickly for the audience is define what a managing partner is. So by Google's definition, a managing partner will be responsible for setting strategic goals and objectives supervising daily activities, monitoring performance, and driving business growth. So to me, that makes it, to me, it sounds like, you know, you're providing your experience and, and strategy into these different businesses. Is that kind of what you're doing with all these different uh, initiatives? That you yeah. So for some context, if you go to our website, selluniverse.agency, uh, and you go to, I think, the About page, let me just double up. Uh, slash us. There you go. So you go to the about us, you scroll down, you ignore that guy sitting on the chair. Um, and it says there, you know, Sell Universe, uh, Page One Media, Sell Universe Academy, Demand Side uh, Partners, and MH1 Creative. So before Sell Universe e-commerce group was born, I was providing that level of strategy and business development for all of these different entities as it relates to Page One, Demand Side Partners, SU. A, which is Selling Universe Academy, which was our own like online course to teach people how to be VAs. And then MH1 Creative, which is like a creative agency. Um, and what we realized is why have five or six different entities when you can just consolidate them into one, uh, one umbrella corporation for those Resident Evil fans, one umbrella <laughs> core um, that allows you to, you know, because there's, there's differing schools of thought about should you niche down super super deep and just be known as like you are just doing dsp managed services you are just doing you know creative agency services you're just selling a course you are just handling netsuite or 
should you consolidate them all together and kind of instead of going a you know mile deep maybe go an inch uh, deep but a mile wide right we actually did both we took what we know how to do on amazon uh, along with the dsp aspect of it we took what we do well on the creative side and then we took the which sometimes leans into like shopify for people who are developing products for websites and then when we right. took what we did really well for netsuite and what we, we created is Selly University Commerce Group. And if you go to the homepage, you have this hexagon that has three micro verticals, NetSuite, Amazon, and Shopify. And so that's how SUEG uh, came to be, was being you know, a managing partner in these various ventures and consolidating them into one entity that allowed us now to focus on a very niche uh, customer profile. Which right now are brands that are you know direct to consumer, most likely CPG and aggregators who require at least two of the three services. If you're an aggregator, you need an ERP. You have so many brands that are on so many different marketplaces that you need to have have some sort of actionable data that collates all of that information along with the other departments in your business. That's what NetSuite does. Oh, by the way, when you implement NetSuite, it can be used across a lot of different industries. So not every solution partner for NetSuite knows the e-commerce chops, knows all the different marketplaces and the best um, APIs to integrate. So for us, is anything within the realm of direct-to-consumer, anything within the, the realm of retail for NetSuite is what we do. Anything outside of that is not our zone of genius. But because we have Amazon account management experience, because we have strategic partners and uh, people in Cell University Commerce Group have have Shopify experience. It allows us to take all of those zones of genius and bundle it together, and that's why we're able to call ourselves the e-commerce experts when it comes to NetSuite. Uh, so yeah, that, I, I, it's kind of like a roundabout way of answering your question, but we started big, consolidated into one, which allows us now to niche down into our ideal customer profile through NetSuite and, and e-commerce. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I love the. Like just like you said, be able to consolidate it all and provide like a one-stop solution. Yeah. Uh, for for these big big brands with with who need to be honest, all of it. Uh, when I was working for yeah. aggregators and just you know consulting on Fiverr and Shopify, people they they not for Shopify consulting on Fiverr and Upwork. I've had so many clients who are literally from big agencies will reach out to me and try and subcontract me, mm -hmm. and I also get the smallest person who probably watch 20 hours of YouTube videos and they need help with both Amazon and Shopify. And the reality is, mm -hmm. it's like any business, online business is going to need all three, in my yep. opinion, to be successful at scale for the long term. Um, yes, you can be good on Amazon, but like Amazon has been, the margins are getting tighter and tighter than ever before. The narrative is changing yeah. and talking about like, hey, let's go back to, at least in the Amazon space, what can we do on our own website? Yeah. Right. And I mean, we're so doing I, an implementation. Sorry, if I just could just jump yeah. in real quick. We're doing an implementation for one of um I think I can say this. I mean, we posted it online. So we're doing the implementation, the NetSuite implementation for Boosted, right? It's one of the bigger aggregators out there. And if you look at the flow chart, I'm not going to share their flow chart, but if you look at their information flow chart, there's so many tiles and so many different, you know, sectors and segments that are connecting into NetSuite that we've mapped out. And Amazon. It's just one of those squares. It's just one of those segments or tiles. And it doesn't diminish Amazon's, you know, um, uh, prominence as a marketplace. It just means that, like you said, as you scale, it's not the only marketplace. They also have their dot-coms. They may be on Walmart. They may be on eBay. They may be on Etsy. There may be a wholesale distribution play. There may be, you know, brick and mortars to consider. There may be global logistics, not just in North America, but in other countries where, they're, uh, where they don't have Amazon. You know, maybe it's Lazada or Shopee in the Philippines. Maybe I, I forgot what the, there's a, a either a, a Spanish one or a German. Mercado Libre. Something like that. That's yeah. comparable, if not bigger mm -hmm. uh, than Amazon's online, you know, mar uh, footprint or, or market share when it comes to online uh, retail. So, or online purchases. So, so yeah, to your point, you know, we used to be heavily focused, like 50% NetSuite, 50% Amazon. Uh, but you know, in this current stage in our business, we just find it not only more profitable, but more sustainable and forward-looking 
to be able to work with brands that have the financial capacity to sustain an ERP like NetSuite and obviously have long-term projections that with our help allows them to maximize that ERP investment with our expertise in e-commerce. You know? Yeah, definitely. You know, if a, if a big aggregator like that is working with you at that scale, I think it just goes to show the value that you guys are providing in the industry. You know, having peered behind the curtains on, on a, a few aggregators for sure, I realize now that when they're working with people outside of their organization, they're doing so extremely in an extremely thoughtful way. Like mm -hmm. a year or two ago, they were working with everybody, you know? Like Yeah, money was being thrown around like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like, oh, we, we're going to buy this brand. We're going to buy a brand. We really got to look at the brand we're buying now. We're going to work with, they have to, you know, like, why are they going to work with them? That has to be for a legitimate, serious, scalable, real need of a reason. So I think what, mm -hmm. you, what you're doing there uh, in your current business speaks volumes because you're attracting big clients like this and providing massive value. So for mm -hmm. people who are not ready for NetSuite, what would you recommend uh, for ERP, for CRM? And if you could maybe define what, e what an ERP is and what sure. maybe a, a scrappy entrepreneur can do today to maybe set themselves up and put a good system in place. Yeah. So ERP stands for enterprise resource planning, right? So it's, it allows you to, let me double check. Hold on. What I was going to, uh, it, um, I, I try and pull up like a, a graph to kind of help explain it. I was already on another podcast explaining that sweet. I, I think it was a helium yeah. tense podcast or something like that. Or I think James's merchant spring. Uh, oh, he just messaged me. Speaking of, he goes, Reggie, he just messaged <laughs> me right now. He saw the yeah, picture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in a nutshell, ERP stands for enterprise resource planning or an ERP tool. NetSuite is probably the number one cloud-based ERP tool in the world, right? I think it has like 35,000 uh, businesses and brands utilizing it, which is pretty significant. Why would you need an ERP? Well, when you look at a business, right, they have all these different um, departments. You're going to have your human resources department. You're going to have your sales team. You're going to have your CRM. Uh, any kind of your project management, you're going to have your your data, wherever all of your information is being stored. Uh, you're going to have finances, right? You're going to have IT. You're going to have all of these different departments. But there are a lot of really awesome um, SaaS providers out there that allow you to build the ideal tech stack. Okay, for my finances, maybe I'm using Zero, Maybe I'm using QuickBooks. Maybe I'm using Bill.com. Great. For HR, maybe I'm using Habab. Maybe I'm using ADP. Great. For CRM, maybe I'm using HubSpot, you know, with a combination of Salesforce. Great. Eventually, if everything lines up, you're going to get to a point of growth where in order for you to really scale, you need something that will consolidate that infrastructure. Right? So that instead of you loading up 17 instances of 17 different softwares that inherently are not always talking to each other or talking to each other in a way that allows you to parse through all that data, you're going to want all of that to be consolidated so that you can actually see dynamically what's happening across the board with your business. Because now you're not talking about one store on Amazon. You're talking about 15 brands on three different marketplaces, right? So then how do you manage the, the demand planning for that? How do you manage the supply chain for that? How do you manage you know, any of the 3PL logistics? How do you integrate that into automation so you don't have a team of 100 people, but you can actually do it with 10 or 15 through the power of NetSuite? So that's what ERP allows you to do. It's really not an answer for right now. Like, oh, am I going to get what I need right now out of QuickBooks for my finances at a cost-effective price? 100%. Your now problem is solved by now tools like QuickBooks. NetSuite and ERP is your scale problems. It answers your scale issues. It's the scale tool. It's for later. So the sooner you have the, you know, and it's not cheap, by any means. So I'm not recommending anybody who has like one brand to invest $30,000 in a NetSuite license. You know what I mean? But once you get to that point where you need to consolidate that infrastructure and have all that data ready for you, then you're bringing in NetSuite not to solve a now problem, but to solve a tomorrow scale problem. And, yeah. and that's the yeah. beauty of, of, of the ERP. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to think about. It's honestly problems that I have not come across yet. I mean, I'm not at that, at that scale to buy, to buy an ERP. Um, mm -hmm. The only thing I can think about is what is what I'm doing right now, and 
what I'm doing right now, what I've done in the past, one which has made businesses that I've sold, specifically the last one, easy to pick up is I had a solid foundation and I had solid reporting and de- uh, data collection. Like mm-hmm. only having one or two brands, but having launched a bunch of products, a lot of the times when we're running online businesses, even at these big companies, you look behind and it's just a drive folder with a bunch of crap, you know? And like, it's, it's 12 different login. Yeah. It's like, yeah. who has the password to what? And I need access to this. So I need to wait three days for that. That one user on the opposite side of the team doesn't know where to access the other piece of information. So you want to, mm-hmm. one, just, it sounds super basic, but just be organized. You want to be organized. You want to have some kind of reporting. For me, organization looks like having a Google Drive with dedicated folders. So if anyone signs up to my vault, I have I literally have a Google Drive that you export and upload. And it's literally just like template after template after template after template. So oh, fantastic. It's like profit loss statement here if I want to record it, photo and videos, supplier template, logistics, planning, everything. It's like super basic stuff, but it's allowed mm-hmm. every time that I was iterating on my business to build a f- solid foundation. So when it came time to sell it, all I really did was right click view or share with owner and the owner went and popped in on that first day and literally saw everything ready to go my reports although generated by a va a lot of that stuff was being exported or just downloaded every month and i've started doing like some automation to to put things in google google sheets of which can be very very usable and that's what i kind of recommend for someone kind of starting out but obviously yeah. once you need to scale you, you google sheets can only take you so far after that you can correct <laughs> Correct. But no, I commend you, you know, um, for anybody listening who's an entrepreneur trying to start up their own business or service or or sell a product or what have you, you know, it really has to come down to what are the systems that you have in place so that you know what you're dealing with. Finances, you know, how much product that you have, you know, how much profit are you generating? That data, whether you're at scale using an ERP or using Google Sheets, is valuable. Not only valuable, it's vital. Like you won't know what you don't know unless you're tracking those numbers. Um, uh, if we go back to the the core topic of our conversation, even if when you look at outsourcing, there's a reason why they time track. Some some companies monitor the use of your mouse. Some take a screen recording. Some require to keep the video on, because at the end of the day, and this is no knock to offshore or overseas workers, but that's also data, right? It's not necessarily all about accountability check, but it's also like, hey, if I gave Reggie this task and it took him four hours and it took Martin six hours, how do we get to five, you know, or or does it take six? Because what Martin did was a little bit better than what Reggie did. And we're okay with eating that extra two hours. Like this is very simple use case for, um, for, for the need for systems and data and, and to be able to track it all. We use a website called 90.io, which is like an online uh, cloud version of traction. Right, so we have our rocks, like which is our like quarterly goals. We have scorecards, which monitors everybody's output every single week and every single month. We have headlines and things that we IDS for anybody who's looking to get into business or try to run their own company. Read traction a hundred percent. If you want to start talking about systems and different types of methods of organizing it, systemology also another really really good book. Um. But yeah, immerse yourself in these tools that if, whether you're paying it from Reggie or you're going to devise, you know, devise your own SOPs, you know, you got to really invest in your infrastructure, regardless of how big or small you think you're going to be. Love it. I think we're going to end it there with that, that powerful thought at the very end. So if anyone has uh, want to connect with you, be a part of Seller Universe, how would they go along? Finding- yeah, just connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me, Martin Zerudo. If you want to email me, martin at selluniverse.agency. Feel free to send me an email. Any kind of questions that you may have, mm-hmm. um, yeah, feel free to, to, to reach out. You know, If you're listening to this right now and you're at a stage where you're trying to think about, do I want to get into business? I want to become a white label, you know, private labeler, white label some of these products. Like, I don't know what to do. Totally talk to Reggie, right? That is his zone of genius. You know, you... And I commend you for what you've been able to accomplish, have launched various products, got it to a point where you exited, um, and now you're building systems and, and services and, and tools around what you've already done, and you're offering it to people there. So if you're listening, you totally can try and do what Reggie did, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's really at the trade-off of time that you may or may not have to invest in going down that journey that you have already done, Reggie. So 
if you're in that space, talk to Reggie. He'll help you out, even give you some great business advice as it relates to Amazon. Uh, but if you're listening and you're somebody who knows or you're somebody who requires NetSuite, uh, please give me a call. Even though I didn't give you my phone number, please send me an email <laughs> and let me know how we can help each other out. Yeah, yeah, definitely not hard to find. I'll be sure to link link it down below. To for sure, for sure. For so again, thank you so much, Martin, for connecting with me, connecting with my team and the mm-hmm. impact you've had. So uh, we'll be in touch and thanks a lot for being on the show. Of course, pleasure was mine. Thank you, Reggie. Take care.